remember what Jesus did for me on the cross. Mm-hmm. I want a cross-centered life. I do want to, to live purposefully, sure. but I don't want to live frantically. We need to be remembering, remembering, remembering. That was Tim Kazee. As the founder and executive director of Frontline Missions International, Tim has served to advance the gospel in some of the world's most difficult places for over 30 years. He's also the executive producer of the Dispatches from the Front film series, and his writings appear in Desiring God, Table Talk, and Chalice.com. I can personally say that his ministry has blessed me for over a decade. So when planning season two of Cloud of Witnesses, I put him on my list of people I would be honored to interview. Very kindly, he agreed, and I am so thankful. During our time together, we talked a little about his background, about Frontline Missions International, and about his most recent book, A Day's Journey. You can purchase your copy, of course, on Amazon. You can also purchase one through Frontline Missions International and through Tim's publisher, Bethany House. I'll leave links for all three in today's show notes. This is Paula Eman. You're listening to Cloud of Witnesses, Season 2, Episode 25, Dispatches from a Witness. Before we got started, Tim prayed for our time together. Lord, we do want to pause before we uh, speak and uh, have conversation that we pray would be centered around you. We pray that the words that we speak would be a fragrance of Christ about them, that they would bless the listeners uh, in the days and weeks and months ahead. I pray that you would be magnified. I pray that your people would be strengthened to uh, follow hard after Christ, knowing in him is all their refuge and strength. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Tim and his wife, Debbie, live in South Carolina, but he grew up in a relatively small town of Danville, Virginia. Listen to how he describes it. Danville, Virginia is a river town where the muddy Dan meanders past old cotton mills and red brick warehouses, the color of the southern clay they came from. It winds on beneath the bridges and train trestles I know so well and past a great green hill where my mama and my daddy are buried. My earliest memories are bound up in a one square mile patch along that river. My house, my school, my church, and the woods where I played were all there, along with a creek called Dead Man's Creek, which was at the bottom of Dead Man's Cliff. The centerpiece of my world was, of course, my house with its row of apple trees, a garden, a goldfish pond, a great catalba tree, with enough room left for backyard baseball. The house was well-loved and therefore well-lived in. Even now, I can recall every inch of every room, the worn red carpet, the stacks of books, and the clutter of family photographs. I can still hear my mother singing at the piano on Saturday nights and see my father coming home from the machine shop where he worked his shirt stained with grease, and his strong hands smelling of steel. His mother passed away in 2005 and his father in 2013. I asked him to tell us a little bit about the spiritual impact they had on him. I was truly blessed to have Christian parents, and uh, both my my mother and father uh, really loved the Lord. Uh, my, my earliest memory of my mother was her reading the Bible to me. So mm-hmm. that is a that is a, a precious memory. Mm-hmm. Um, they were both hardworking people who loved the Lord and were 
far behind any headlines or anything. They just were steady and um, they raised five children and my mother raised quite a few more in the neighborhood where there were needs. And um, so they were busy people, um, mm -hmm. but um, uh, I just remember how, um, I know earlier you had mentioned something about uh, endurance and mm -hmm. both of them were, were made of, of stuff to endure. And, mm -hmm. uh, but they, they taught me from an early age to love the Bible and to love prayer and were faithful in taking me to church and uh, we, we could walk to church from, from my house. So, Oh, really? <laughs> um, I say early on, they took me to church. And then after that, I, I walked, but mm -hmm. that was the, that was a special memory too. Mm -hmm. After visiting his old homestead one year, Tim was ready to make the trip back home. Listen to another excerpt from his book where he describes what led to a grace-filled memory. As I drove away in heaviness, the truck wheels again seemed to fall into familiar lines, and soon I found myself at the little church where I grew up. It was the middle of a weekday, so all was quiet. I tested the locked door and found it had not been pulled completely closed. I pushed it open, and it was like entering a time capsule. Other than the date on last Sunday's bulletins left in the foyer, it could have been 50 years ago. I sat on the back pew of the choir loft and took in the whole sanctuary. I remembered sitting here Sunday after Sunday and hearing the gospel preached with such clarity and power. And I remember clearly the night I believed on the Lord Jesus and how on my way home I stood beneath a star-filled sky and knew that Christ had forgiven all my sins and felt the rush of freedom like a pardoned prisoner who suddenly finds that not only has his name been cleared, but he has also been loaded with titles of honor, beloved, heir, son. As I thought of that night, the lines of Wesley's hymns we used to sing came to mind. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. And I remembered the lines of a favorite hymn that echoed there many a Sunday. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. These are the memories rooted in grace that led to more lasting things. As Peter said, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Unfading. Unlike pictures, places, and the people I once held in my arms, my longings for home, held now only in the shadows of memory, will be found in their full, unfading glory, not in my little house, but in my Father's house. This is my story. This is my song. Now I asked him to tell us a little bit about the twists and turns his life took after high school. I felt a, a strong inclination to, to be involved in missions. Um, especially in missions in places where the gospel was not known. So mm -hmm. I'd really set in, after I graduated from high school, was, was setting my course for going to Afghanistan. And uh, that door closed. This is a long, long time ago mm -hmm. before you were around. But uh, <laughs> the Soviet invasion shut down everything, and all of my contacts there were um, had to flee. And so I was sort of wandering around about what I was going to do. I, I 
got married right out of college and um, had to get a job. And so things were not clear in terms of missions, but in terms of serving God, where I was, that's what I did. And um, then, and also I just needed to, to work. So I got a job as a, a textbook writer of all things. <laughs> and I remember the years as a writing high school textbooks that I, I really felt that I was just wasting my life. Hmm. Um, year after year, sitting in my cubicle. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's beautiful when God gives you the time to give, to get perspective on things. And now I can look back on those years and see that he was preparing me for a very important part of what my ministry would be, mm -hmm. uh, which is writing. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, I oversee a, a mission board and involved in a lot of different things. But at the heart of what I do is I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. And there was, there was something about the discipline of writing when you're writing textbooks, of sitting down, researching, writing, researching, writing, writing out a 600-page book. Uh, and then starting on the next one, um, there was that discipline of writing that I needed for what God was preparing. He was preparing me for that. So mm -hmm. in many other ways, he was preparing me too. But mm -hmm. that's a little bit about that sort of twist and turn journey out of high school. And uh, I sometimes I understand, but sometimes a little bit bemused and hopefully comforting when college students are all concerned about what they're going to major in. Right. As if as if what they major in is going to define the rest of their life. And mm. that is very often not the case. Mm -hmm. So that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so um, were you in the Navy? I was in, a, I was in ROTC. So okay. back in those days, we, we did sea duty. So that oh, was interesting. My, but not, not full-time after ROTC. Okay. So then after you wrote textbooks, were you a pastor of a small church? Am I remembering that right? I was, I was pastoring during the time uh, I was writing textbooks. So, okay. Yeah. Wow. I think I remember from the book, you advised a U.S. Senator. I did. Yes. Uh-huh. For, for 14 years, I was Oh, really? on the staff of uh, Senator Jim DeMent. Oh, interesting. South Carolina. And then you, so you founded a, the mission board. At, at what point in your journey did that, did that happen? It was just over 30 years ago after the Berlin Wall came down. Mm -hmm. I was in Eastern Europe. I, again, I'd always had a, a longing to be, uh, to help the persecuted church. I remember mm -hmm. even in my, my home church where I was um, a, a Sunday school teacher, I organized our little class to raise money and to write letters to Christian prisoners and find all kinds of ways to get the gospel in behind the iron curtain. And, and then God saw fit to take the curtain away. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had the opportunity to go and meet pastors that we prayed for. And I, I, I did some teaching over there. And, and I came back with a real conviction that this was our opportunity, not our opportunity to reach those countries as such, but our opportunity to help the faithful pastors who had come out of those years of persecution. Some of them had endured prison mm -hmm. uh, for the sake of Christ. And so um, I came back, I talked to my pastor and elders, and 
laid out a plan for how our church could just jump in there and, and give them the tools of the ministry. This was when things were just opening up over there. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember my pastor, my pastor's response was like, they were all a little bit, a, a little bit amazed that, you know, I was laying out this big plan for the church and what we could mm-hmm. do and mm-hmm. would they get behind it. And mm-hmm. he just like calmed me down and said, look, this is, this is bigger than any one church. Mm-hmm. You need to start an organization that many churches can participate in. Mm-hmm. And so uh, with his encouragement, and he was on our originally on the original board of the mission. We started at that time what was called Eastern European Ministries. Mm-hmm. And um, for our first 10 years, we were called Eastern European Ministries because our focus was in Eastern Europe mm-hmm. uh, and involved in Russia and Ukraine and uh, Albania and Bosnia and during the war. So that was our that was our niche in the world. But in the early 2000s, God opened up more doors for us, in, especially in China. Mm. And so with a, a growing field of operation, it was necessary to change our name. So we changed it to Frontline Missions International okay. in 2002. 2002. Okay. Well, very good. Now, I know um, from your dispatches from the front, you've mentioned this man a few times, and in your book, you mentioned him, Ernie Pyle. So I I thought, well, he seems to have had quite the influence on you. So I just wondered if you could tell our listeners maybe who that is and why he impacted you so much. Yeah, so Ernie Pyle is the most famous war correspondent of World War II, Mm -hmm. bar none. And he wrote dispatches from the front of the second world war. He was, we, today we would say he was embedded with the troops. They didn't use that terminology then, but he lived with them, walked with them, ate with them, uh, whether it was the Navy or the Marines or the army. He, he won the Pulitzer prize for his, his work. It's published in newspapers across America. What Pyle does though, was that really impacted me as a writer was his ability to make the reader feel that they were right there. Yeah. They were in the thick of the action. They were with Pyle as he's sitting there scribbling out his, his notes and, or typing them. And so he was uh, really gifted in that way. And he, he, he walked the talk. He, he lived with the troops and he was killed by a sniper in uh, the spring of 1945. So he, wow. he never got to see the, the final victory, but, but, but I'm very much Im- impacted by the way that he can bring the reader along with him. And that's what I feel is a responsibility that I have. Not everyone can go with me to North Africa or Indonesia or Afghanistan or Iraq or Russia. So they, they can't go. But I feel that it's important that they have a glimpse of what God is doing in, in those places and that they get to meet their brothers and sisters mm-hmm. uh, on this side of heaven. Mm-hmm. So uh, I really feel a responsibility to bring them along with me uh, on those journeys. And that's really what the Dispatches from the Front book is all about. The video series is all about. It's mm-hmm. what A Company of Heroes, that book was, was all about. It's about bringing people along with me for what God has allowed me to be an eyewitness to. Mm-hmm. 
For the sake of the gospel and for the purpose of encouraging persecuted churches and churches who are on the front lines, Tim has traveled to over 100 countries. I asked him next how these trips have impacted him the most. Definitely say that 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 God has become bigger, and and I've seen the that His gospel is not just true in the fact that it's in the Bible and God said it. The gospel is true also because of its power to save. Mm-hmm. And so only the gospel can cross every kind of barrier. And mm-hmm. we live in a world that is filled with every kind of barrier. The gospel can cross every one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it can cross countries and cultures. And when we read Revelation 5, 9 about the time John saw when people from every tribe and, and language and nation are gathered and declaring worthy as the Lamb. We're, we're actually getting a glimpse of that now. It's actually unfolding now. This is not something that's just going to happen then. Right. It is something that is happening as Jesus is gathering people to himself. So he has grown bigger in my view. The gospel has grown more sweet in my view. And uh, I would say those are the, the two things that are great impacts and great anchors for me as I continue to live out the days that God gives me. Having watched all of Tim's Dispatches from the Front series, I told Tim that I know he's witnessed much hope, mingled with much devastation. I asked him what truths about God anchor him in those times. And I I have seen a lot of suffering in that, but we know that suffering is part of the path. Mm. It's not like God suddenly lost control on those days. Mm. No, always in control, always Mm. is in control. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say the thing that really has anchored me in, in, in those times too is, is to realize that Jesus is in us and with us and for us. Mm-hmm. And he will never, ever leave us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's true in life and it's true in death. Mm-hmm. And so rem- reminding myself of that, going to the scriptures where it's, his promises are clear, and in John chapter 10, the, the power of our great and good shepherd to keep his sheep, to know his sheep, and to keep them is just something that I want to wrap that, that good cloak of grace around me in, in, mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the hardest of times. So I would say that that's one of the, the truths that, that anchors me, and, and another is just to reflect on the cross in the, in the scriptures and in great hymns to remember what Jesus did for me on the cross. Mm. I want a cross-centered life. Mm. And, um, you know, I think about the passage in uh, Romans 8, 31, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then Paul explains just how much God is for us. Mm. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him for us all. How how much more will he not graciously give us all things? So it's like, it's all in his hands Mm -hmm. and we can rest in that, completely rest in that. And that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mm. Yeah, it just never quits being a blessing, does it? (laughs) Yes. Before his most recent book, Tim wrote two other books, A Company of Heroes and Dispatches from the Front. He's also written entries for a book called Gospel Meditations for Missions. When he started to write A Day's Journey, he was excited about the topics and focus he'd selected. 
but then double blows from terminal cancer diagnoses in 2019 and 2021 brought his travels to a halt. What was his response to such devastating news? He said, people deal with their suffering in different ways. For me, I write. And so a new focus of the book emerged, evolving into A Day's Journey, Stories of Hope and Death-Defying Joy. Can you tell us a little bit about the meaning of your book's title? Why did you call it that? It is an ancient measure of, of distance. So it's where, was it Abram that went a three days journey? So mm -hmm. that was a way to, to, to mark out distance. But it's also just a great way to describe a life uh, kind of packaged in a day. And so, I don't know, I just thought it would, uh, it would serve well the purpose of emphasizing travel, a journal that I'm, I'm a journal writer mm -hmm. uh, and then the, the swiftness of life, mm -hmm. uh, which is, I, I write about in the book, both in sort of a perspective pieces and also in my own cancer journey that I write about. So the book is structured according to like a day's journey. So the first part of it is setting out the middle is called along the way. That's right. And okay. Along the way, I'm, spending a day with people that have taught me so much about life. Mm -hmm. And then the, the last part of the book toward evening is about my cancer journey. Mm -hmm. How are you doing in that process, by the way? Are you back to pretty good strength? Uh, I am continuing to fight for yeah drinks and to get what I can out of my days. Now I have, God has allowed me to, uh, I mean, I still have cancer and I'm still having to, to deal with uh, extraordinary levels of fatigue that come with that and, and um, other side effects from the treatments that I've gone through. Um, but I've had the strength by his grace to be able to travel this year and undertake a, a another big project of another <laughs> other big book to write about Aww. his mm. stories all over the world mm. well i have to say um i as i was reading your book i didn't know the end of your cancer story so it was just unfolding fresh to me without any any end of the story and um so i was in the section where you were really really touch and go and um it, but then as i was corresponding with uh your wife um, and your publicist they told me you were on a trip and I could not tell you how encouraged I was that you were on a trip. <laughs> I just didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> so I'm uh, very thankful you're still traveling. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, in your book, you talk much about how God's grace has helped you navigate your cancer journey. You write, cancer has awakened more delight in what's in front of me rather than just what's ahead of me. Can you give us an example of what you mean by that? I, I remember specifically you talked to um, Zikfus, Zikfus, Julie, Julie Zikfus. Yes, I remember you describing how much you enjoyed being on her property and and even things like that. <laughs> I think that's a I think that's a, a a good example of where I need to. I'm my life has been a life in motion, and I need to I need to slow down and. Uh, <laughs> listen to the birds and not just listen to some birds, but like, what is that bird? You know, mm -hmm. and, and is he migrating through and, you know, just stop and read and, and do things like that, that, that I, I think I, I came to the conclusion 
after I, I survived the transplant with that was I, I asked God to help me not to be frantic about the end um, because I've had a number of dear friends who have passed away since I even started writing that book. So it's not as if, you know, I'm going through something really unusual or yeah. that uh, I know kind of how much time I have left or I, 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 I know, of course we don't know. So, so why be, why be frantic about it? Mm-hmm. If uh, I want to read a good book, read a good book. If I want to take a long walk and take a long walk and, and not feel like I've got to fill up my time with something so that I can, you know, make the most of, of my days. I do want to, to live purposefully, sure. but I don't want to live frantically. Mm. Uh, that's kind of a time waster. And it kind of implies that we we're in charge and, oh. and we're not. So right. um, last week, this uh, uh, living purposefully and not frantically was put to the test because I was out in Alaska, actually way out in the Aleutian Islands, mm-hmm. filming and writing stories that's going to be in this project that I'm working on now. And we were stranded on that little 27-mile-long mm-hmm. island, uh, 800 miles out in the sea from the mainland. And heavy fog came in, two volcanoes in the region erupted. So there was volcanic ash in the sky and no planes could fly through. And day after day after day, we were we were just stuck there. And there was no way to get off. Oh so what do you do? Take long walks, write, read, <laughs> yeah. and be prepared to fly out the next day if a plane right. could get it. So there wow. was this sort of, this sense of you had to be ready but you also had to, you had to rest, you had to relax, you had to just trust and wait. So I, it was a, it was really a good example of, you know, in the scripture, it talks about watching and waiting. Mm. So there's a waiting that is watchful. Mm. And so I was going through that. Mm. So I, I was being tested on that front because I'm not a very patient person. <laughs> You're a go-getter, huh? <laughs> well, We're all thankful for that. (laughs) I can personally testify to how some of your suggestions um, have helped me, even in the days since I finished the book. I know the section of, um, you talked about spending the day, I think it was Caroline Cobb. And you you asked her because she is a, a Christian recording artist. And she's also, I think, a mom of little ones. Am I thinking right? Yes, uh, from, I think, junior high on down she had they they have three three children okay and i remember you asking her you know how in the world do you get all this done and everything and um, and how do you balance you know taking your kids to school and recording and all this stuff writing music and she just said something about learning how to live within her limitation that really helped me um just with the few health issues that i have you get discouraged you know you're like i want to i just want to do i want to go i want to go you know and then some days i just can't i i just literally can't and i've just had to learn uh, even since reading that section that limitations are even from God's sovereign hand. And um, yes. I can just exactly to your point, live purposefully and not frantically. Yes. Yes. Well, Paula, that, that is at the heart of that chapter. I, I really appreciate how Carolyn shared that because, you know, it, it really is not possible to have it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's accepted under God's kindness, uh, her limitations. Mm-hmm. And always within her limitations, you know, pressing the envelope where she can, of course, mm-hmm. you know, she mm-hmm. wants to have a full life and she has a full life, but mm-hmm. um, 
that, that was, that was, that's a good summary of mm. what Carolyn had to teach me. Mm. Praise the Lord. Well, um, I'm sure there were many times in your cancer journey that you had to fight for joy. I know after reading your book that you fought for it and you found it. Uh, can you share some tips for any of my listeners who are currently struggling to find joy? We, we think joy will come when we, we don't have any problems, hmm. when our go away, hmm. when our chances uh, even out and clear up. Um, we, we think that will bring us joy if, if we don't have problems, but it will bring us happiness not to have any problems, but we <laughs> all know how temporary that is. But the, it's the steadying joy that we need in our suffering that only Jesus can, can provide. Mm. And so I would say for my fellow sufferers, our fellow sufferers, mm -hmm. that we need to rehearse our hope over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, a friend reminded me in the midst of cancer about the what he called the, the weapon of remember. Like we need to be pulling that weapon out every day and, and mm -hmm. for this fight of whatever circumstances we're facing, fighting the good fight of faith, we need to have the we need to be remembering, remembering, remembering. And it is a weapon that brightens with use. The more we use this, this sort of remember, the brighter it becomes and the clearer it becomes. And there is something in, in the suffering that it is a way in which Christ allows us to identify with him in mm. his suffering. Mm. In a mystery that I, I can't explain, but it's a way that we know him better. Mm. And ultimately, this is what's happening. God is bringing all of his children to himself mm. and not one of them will be lost. Mm. He will keep us all to the end. Mm. Our paths to him are going to vary in length and in circumstances, but we will, we will reach his arms. Mm. No question about it. Mm. So we need to rehearse that hope. And uh, even in the midst of suffering, I, I love this little course that a friend taught me years ago uh, out in the jungles of Cambodia. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a song version of Philippians 3.10. Hmm. I want to know Christ and the power of his rising. Share in his sacrifice, conform to his death. As I pour out my life to be filled with his spirit, joy follows suffering and life follows death. Philippians 3.10. I remember um, when you were um, with... Say it again. Is it the Furman's Gloria Furman? Dave and Gloria. Mm -hmm. Okay. You said, um, God does not give us a pain-free life, but he does give us more of himself. Um, and that was really impacting on my heart. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and to your point about rehearsing your hope, I remember when I was, you know, in a pretty low spot with everything that had happened to us, especially in 21, in the beginning of 22, Somebody said, girl, you need to claim the promises of God. <laughs> and I'm like, I do, but I can only ever think of a handful of them. Like he'll never leave us or forsake us. He, he'll provide all of our needs and he sent the Messiah. I'm like, I've got those three down, but those are the only ones I could ever think of. <laughs> and so I was like, I've just got to take a deep dive into the Psalms because I need to get more of these written down. And so I just, I just 
slogged in only the best way possible um, through the Psalms. And then every time I would come through, come across either a promise of God or his nature, I would write it down and I put it in my notes app on my phone. And I've got that pinned to the top of my notes app. So wow. every time I open my notes, there's the promises of God. And I cannot tell you to your point, um, rehearsing my hope and rehearsing uh, the promises of God has been such, so healing to my heart. Mm, wonderful. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, now in the third section of your book, Towards Evening, uh, you write about the majestic qualities of Psalm 90. Uh, can you talk to us for a little bit about why that psalm has become so important to you? Well, Psalm 90, the, the way it's, it's set up is, is, is fascinating to me how Moses wrote about the, not just the greatness of God, but like how much God is not like us. I'll put it mm. that way. Mm. Like for God, a thousand years is like, oh, yesterday when I can't <laughs> even quite remember what happened. It was so brief and fleeting. For him, that's like a thousand years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we, we see how the, how the ancient of days mm. is eternal. And so there's this grand view of God and how he's always been and he always will be. Mm. And then Moses like completely radically shifts gears and he focuses on us. And in contrast to the God who always was and always will be, and who a thousand years is like yesterday, in contrast, he says, you know, you've got you got 70 years. And if you're really, really, you know, got it together, you might you might live 80 years. Mm -hmm. um, but those those years are going to be filled with 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 hardships. Mm. And um, and then you're gone, mm. like a flower that fades. Mm. Here today, gone tomorrow. It's like, what? You know, like you know, we're left going like, God, you, you're eternal, and I am so temporary. But it closes with His steadfast love and how we need to be in Him, and we can, and we can trust in Him, and we can find our refuge in Him, and that rolls right on into Psalm 91 as well, which. Moses wrote. So I, I just love that like reminder that we're not God and that we're not going to live forever. Let's just face it. You know, he says, we're, it's a prayer. Teach us, Lord, to number our days so that we can get a heart of wisdom. Not teach us to extend our days forever and ever and ever on this earth. No, teach us to number our days so we can be wise in how we use them. And uh, the best way to use them, of course, is to, to walk in his ways. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you for journaling so much. I mean, I, that's the one. Uh, and I know, I think even uh, Joni Erickson Tata pointed out to you how thankful she is for your journals. <laughs> so I would I would echo her heart in uh, just, you know, watching you in the dispatches from the front sitting there writing in your journals and, and then even on your cancer bed, it sounds like you were journaling. And so thank yeah. you for, for using that tool. And, you know, as you mentioned, you were an author of textbooks first. And, and like you said, how the Lord just uses and shapes us at every phase of life, even for the next phase of life. And so thank you for journaling and for using that, the words that the, the Lord okay. has given you to encourage all of us, because it really is encouraging. Thank you, Paula. That means a lot. <laughs> well, um, as we wrap up our time today, I was curious if there are any other projects you have coming up that you can share with us. I am uh, very much in the middle 
of a, of a big project called Worship Round the World. Mm-hmm. Worship Round the World is um, a project that I'm doing with Tim Challies. The two of us are traveling around the world to the locations that are biblically sound, gospel-centered churches, but culturally distinct. They, they fit culturally appropriate. They fit the setting. So we're in Fiji, and we're in Korea, and we're in Australia, and Cambodia, and and we just are working our way around the globe into a 12-part series that will be a film series in those locations where we'll worship with our brothers and sisters there, and you'll get to know them better. you get to hear their stories, and it's going to be a, a book as well. Mm-hmm. And um, Tim's taking the lead on the film, and I'm taking the lead on the book. And mm-hmm. we have just finished filming the 10th location over the past 10 months, we've gone to about 20 countries to get to wow. 10 locations to write these stories of mm. worship around the world. So we started at the international dateline. Okay. <laughs> this may be more information than you want. but No, I want it. <laughs> international dateline uh, with the sun rising in the Pacific. And we're in a sense tracking with the sun and all oh. the way around the world. That's why I was out in the Aleutian Islands. Uh, last week on this side of the of the dateline. Okay. So from the rising of the sun to its setting, let the mm. name of the Lord be praised. Mm. And so we're just going to be illustrating that in real time, okay. uh, so to speak. So it's a fun project. It's a big project. The mm. logistics, it's an arduous, I call it an arduous and glorious yeah. project. I bet. Um, Will there be in any places that you've been to before? Because you've been to, what is it, 100 countries? I think I've been to all of the places where I've been uh, okay. or the project, except for Zambia. Okay. None, right. South America. We were in Chile, southern Chile, and also, yeah. So I had not been to Chile before, and okay. I have been in Zambia. But, well, neat. Well, okay. I'm happy for your sake you got to be in a new one. <laughs> yes, uh, it was fun. So as far as Frontline Mission International, what's the biggest, what are some of the biggest ways that we can pray for and support that mission? Thank you. Um, Pray for our our families um, on the field. Uh, You know, our mission is advancing the gospel in the world's difficult places. And so they live and serve in sometimes hostile environments, certainly difficult and gospel destitute places. Mm-hmm. And so pray for their endurance and pray for boldness and wisdom in sharing the gospel. I mean, that's why they're there. Right. They're not there just to be protected. They're there to take risks for the gospel, to take in, in wisdom, but also in boldness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just read a report yesterday from one of our team members in North Africa. And uh, just wonderful to see mm-hmm. the, the power of the gospel to radically transform a person's life, mm. bring them from darkness to light. And we never get tired of seeing that. Mm. Um, so just pray for, pray for our families, our frontline families. Mm-hmm. That God would use them mightily. Mm. We will most certainly do that. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Again, I'm honored for you to take the time out of your busy schedule to, to be on this today. So I really appreciate it. Well, you've been a blessing to me, Paula. Mm. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, may I pray? Yes, please. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you so much for how good you are and that you are worthy to be praised. You are worth traveling around the world to talk about, and 
your glory is um, from sea to shining sea and from ocean to ocean. And we just thank you that you are not limited to one country, but that uh, this truly is your world. And we thank you that your gospel is everywhere. And thank you for the hope that that gives. Thank you so much for sustaining um, Tim's life through cancer and that you have given him the opportunity and his heart's desire uh, to continue to magnify you through video and book. And so I pray that um, as his health is in a different situation now, that you will just um, encourage him on the weekdays and uh, strengthen him on the days where he is able to work and to do all of these things. And I do pray for all of the families who are on the front lines, uh, that you will just encourage them, that um, they will know your love without a shadow of a doubt, and that they will be able to rest in that love, and that you will give them spirit of wisdom and of boldness and i pray that you'll just provide for them financially i pray for their marital relationships that you will help them to continue to be strong and we pray for their children to be saved and for them to uh, just love you with all of their heart and that you will use them in the best way that you see fit i thank you so much for frontline missions international and and all of the eternal work that they're doing and so i pray that you will keep them from the evil one and that um, you will just encourage their hearts as they strive to make bold gospel advances. So we love you today and thank you for Jesus. In his name we do pray. Amen. Amen. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever.